Uh, let me fill you in on where we've been for the past couple weeks, okay? Uh, we've been in this series called Life on a Mission, okay? And what we're doing is we're talking about what it looks like to live on mission for God. Because a life on mission for him should not be an ordinary life, right? If we believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he has given us a purpose in life, then our lives should look different than people around us that don't have that belief, right? We should look very different. In fact, when people look at us, it should be crystal clear who we are and who we belong to. That we belong to Jesus, that we are a disciple of Jesus, right? So wherever we are, whether we're in Ellerslie or Hamilton or Pine Mountain or Columbus or Phoenix City, wherever we are, when people see us, they'll be like, that, that, that is a different kind of life. That's the kind of life I would like to have. What makes them so different? Why is it that they live that way? Would you tell me more about that, right? So what we've been talking about is that difference in life that is on mission for God. What are the different things that we can be doing and should be doing? And the good news is, is that while we all might have unique, special gifts from God, we all share common mission purposes, right? We all share common mission goals. And so we've been talking about those common mission goals, right? And, and we said it on the first week, we said worship. Worship is a big one. We were made to worship. Worship sets us apart. And when we worship... Our job is to be connected to God. Our hearts should be connected. We said that we just don't offer him empty gifts. And then three weeks ago, we said that a life on mission is passionate. Passionate for the cause of Christ and the things of God and not apathetic. And then two weeks ago, we talked about humility and, and how prideful attitudes, prideful attitudes, not only, they, they damage us so much because not only is it hard to celebrate things that are happening in our life when we're prideful because I deserve this, but it's, it's hard to celebrate what God is doing in the lives of other people, right, when we're too prideful. And we talked about the prodigal son and the older brother, and you may remember that. And then last week, we talked about hypocrisy and Batman, if you were here, you remember... And how damaging hypocrisy can be in the life of a believer. And we said that a life on mission is filled with more sincerity and less hypocrisy. So, if you miss any of those, you can go back and catch up online. And today, what I want to do is I want to switch gears just a little bit for this. This is the last week of this series. We're going to jump into something new next week. But I'm going to go ahead and ruin the ending. Because I have a feeling I kind of need to warn you where we're going today. And we're going to talk about money today. Oh... Touchy subject. Everybody ready? Hold on, okay? I'm going to tread lightly. This is going to go good. This is going to go well, okay? But what I really want to talk about is how a life on mission, how a life on mission is a generous life. Is a generous life. Okay, in fact, I think that this is one of the things that really separates us from other people. And, you know, another thing that separates, should separate us in this church is that we have time for our middle schoolers that I completely forgot about. So, <laughs> y'all know how that goes. I got, thank you, Kelly. Kelly's in the back going, uh. <laughs> so, there we go. Oh, bless them. They didn't just get up and leave. Y'all, they, they waited. Okay. Uh, and they're sitting there going, and great, the sermon's about money. <laughs> okay. All right, here we go. Here we go. A generous life is different. Because what we see around us all the time is selfishness, right? We see selfishness, we see self-glory, self-promotion, selfies, right? It's all about my three favorite people in the world, me, myself, and I. But a life that sticks out 
A life that's different, a life that shows that it's on mission is one that has learned to be generous. And here's the deal. I, I bet that if I pulled each person in here, everybody would say the same thing. We would all agree that it's good to give. Like, I think we would all say that. In fact, you might be saying that it feels better to give than to receive. So what we're going to do is we're going to focus on that this morning, that a life on mission is generous, is a generous life. And I want to focus on a powerful little verse in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. And this verse is very unique. Because it's at the end of the book of Acts. And if you know anything about the book of Acts, you know that this Acts chronicles the life and the start of the church. Okay, Jesus has ascended. Jesus, at the very beginning of Acts, calls his disciples together. And he leaves. He sends the Holy Spirit. And the church is born. But at the end of the book of Acts, we find these red letters. And you know what the red letters symbolize in Scripture, right? If you have one of those Bibles... The words and the teachings of Jesus appear in red letters, the things that Jesus said. So at the end of the book of Acts, Jesus isn't there, and yet we find these red letters that come from Jesus. And what's happening is that the writer is quoting something he remembers Jesus saying. And since I'm talking about this in Acts chapter 20, let me dive a little bit deeper, and I'll tell you another thing about this particular chapter. And if you want to write Acts chapter 20 down on your message notes, you can go back and read it for yourself later, what we find is that Paul, in this section, is giving one last chance to be with the church in Ephesus, and he's telling them some last-minute teachings, last-minute sayings, because he doesn't know what's ahead for him, but he does know that he's going to be imprisoned for the sake of the gospel, right? So he knows that this is the last time that he is ever going to see this church again. Now, think about that for a minute. If this was the last opportunity you had to share something with your friends, family, with your church family, if you were to stand up on stage and you had one last thing to say to your church family before you go, before you're off, before you'll never see them again, what, what, what's one of the last, what would you want to leave them with? And that's what's happening here to Paul. Acts chapter 20. He decides to teach them something that he remembers Jesus saying. Something that really stood out to them. Something that he really wants them to know and wants them to remember. So here it is in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. This is what he says. He says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. This is literally the last thing we have of Paul in Acts 20 of leaving Ephesus. Because right after this verse, here's the next couple of verses. It says this. Then they all wept as they embraced. They all hugged. They were weeping. They were crying. What grieved them the most was the statement that they would never see him again. This is it. This is the last time. And the words that he said, go back, Wayne, to that previous verse. This is what he leaves them with. It's more blessed to give than to receive. That's a pretty powerful little statement to leave this church. It's a pretty powerful statement for us to remember too. Now, this statement doesn't mean that it's not a blessing to receive too, right? I mean, if you've ever received something, that's a blessing. But what this does say is that it's always, it's always more of a blessing to give something to someone than to receive something for ourselves. Let me go back to this idea of it just feeling good to give. You, you know what's interesting is that when I think about giving something or, or, yeah, giving something to somebody else, I cannot think of an emotional story 
that involves me buying something for myself. Do you know what usually emotionally happens to me when I spend too much money on myself or do something extravagant is I feel guilty. I don't know. If you feel that way, most of the time I do. But I don't have one of these emotional stories of me buying something for myself. Like, you know, I, I, don't, have a, I don't have a story of like, do you remember when I bought the new truck and I just hugged it and I just cried because I got this new truck, you know? That never happened. If it had happened, I probably shouldn't be driving a truck anyway, right? But I never have one of those, you know, buying a new iPhone. I don't have the new iPhone, but when I do get one, when I don't have one of those emotional moments of like every time it scans my face, I just feel closer to God, right? Like I don't have one of those. Or when like ladies buying Louis Vuitton purses and you're just like, oh gosh, when I got my purse finally, I just felt like I was floating right up to heaven, right? Like... We don't have those types of stories or a doubt, or maybe you have one or maybe two. I don't know, but here's what I do know. We all have an emotional story when it comes to giving. When maybe we gave something or somebody gave something to us and how that touched us or how that really just captured us. You know, if you've ever prayed about giving something that was just a big thing for you to do, and then you stepped on faith and you did it. And it really made an impact in some ministry or that person, you know. And it's just, you just remember how that made you feel. Probably this deep sense of satisfaction. Or maybe this is the first year that maybe you've tried, like, taking a step towards faithful giving. And it was a huge step and still is. But you felt the joy of being obedient to God. And you've seen the provision and blessing that God has given in your life. Or maybe you prayed about making a special gift towards someone's medical bills. And, and it had a dramatic effect when you gave. And it was really emotional. Or maybe you were about to buy something for yourself. And you just paused and you're like, you know what? I should probably do this with my money instead. And we gave it to someone or something else. And, and then when you gave it to them, they were just blown away by your generosity. We can probably all think of one or two stories that we've been a part of or if we haven't been a part of one, we've read those stories. And we remember those stories because they make such a, they're so impactful. Chances are there's a lot of us that know the truth of Acts 20.35. That it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. It's more of a blessing. In fact, I've seen this play out many, many, many times in my life. I remember when Shannon and I were very young um, in our marriage. I was 26 at the time. Shannon was 25. We had been married for just a few years. Savannah was two. And we had no money. No money at all. We were broke. You can use whatever catchphrase you want to describe us. How about this? We, we were so poor we couldn't afford to pay attention. How about that? Okay, wait, wait. I can do better. I can do better. How about this? We were so poor... We'd eat cereal with a fork to save milk. How about that? Is that good? Okay, wait, wait, wait. I got, hold on, hold on, one, one more. We were so poor, ducks threw bread at us. That's it. That's a good one. That's it. That's what I'm looking for. That's a good one. We were poor. We, we were poor. But we knew God was calling us up to Kentucky. But we didn't know how to get there. Moving was going to be a process, eight hours away. We didn't have money for U-Haul to move our stuff up. Very expensive at the time, especially for us in that moment. So I'm kind of just waiting. I'm like, God, I know, I know you want us to go to seminary, but I don't know how we're going to 
make this transition and make this work. So we're just kind of waiting for God to do something. And then one of our church members shows up at the church just out of the blue, not because we asked or said anything. He just showed up. And he was like, hey, I've got this huge horse trailer, and I'd love to help you move to Kentucky. And I was like, excuse me? And he brought this trailer that was bigger than anything we could have rented, or bigger than anything we've ever seen. And here's someone that not only spent money on gas to get us up and back, but he spent his time. And he moved us up and then drove eight hours back. And now, I, I will let you in on this little secret about me. Now, don't abuse this, okay? But I do like helping people move, okay? Um, I'll let y'all know. Like, I've been known to show up and help people move because I know moving day is very stressful for people because I know I've been there my whole life. Man, I've moved every three years of my life. I know exactly what that's like. In fact, I tell people nobody knows how to move better or faster than a preacher. <laughs> we know how to get out of town. <laughs> but I've been known to show up and help and move, you know, people when they need it. I kind of look at it like as a Tetris game, too, because, you know, they always get a smaller trailer than all their stuff. And so we've got to figure out, like, how can we make this work? But I found it's a blessing to be able to do that the help on moving day, a day that's honestly very stressful for people. But the fulfillment, and the reason I know that, is because of the blessing it was for somebody to give to me. So I try to be a blessing to others. And the fulfillment and the joy and the sense of being used by God to make a difference in the life of somebody else, I mean, that just reinforces this teaching that it's more blessed to give than to receive. So again, the principle that we're focusing on this morning is giving is good, right? A life on mission is generous. So let me go back to Paul. Paul, after teaching this church in Ephesus, one last thing, we find another writing of his in 2 Corinthians. He's now, he's talking to the church in Corinth, Okay, and he gives his own instruction about being generous. And it says this. He says, God will give you so much so that you can give away much. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they're going to break out into thanksgiving and praise to God for your help. I love this verse. This verse reminds us that the reason that God gives us much is so that we can do much. Not so that we can have much. So that we can be generous with much. And when we learn to be generous, what happens is that the other person that we're being generous towards, man, what they end up doing is they end up praising God for you. Like, it's a testimony of a life on mission, of God at work in your life, that points towards heaven. So, if we know giving is good, then, you know, why, why don't we do it more often? Let me give you three top reasons that we don't necessarily feel like we can and you can just jot these down on the side if you want to not but we're struggling this is this gets in the way sometimes we just we'd love to do more but we just feel like we're kind of struggling right now our hearts in the right place we just don't have feel like we have the ability number two we're skeptical nobody likes to hear messages of money from the church because we've seen it abused in the past, some preacher with slick hair demanding that you pay for his private jet so he can spread the gospel of Jesus, right? I'm not going to name any names, but we're skeptical. Number three, we're nervous. And the reason we're nervous and struggling skeptical leads to nervousness. And the reason we're nervous is because we tend to live with a scarcity mindset instead of an abundant mindset. 
right? In other words, if I give, then I'm going to have less, and I don't know if that's going to be enough to go around. When what we might need to have is an abundant mindset that says, I've been blessed to be a blessing. In, in other words, it's different to approach life realizing that we serve an abundant God who provides. So even if you find yourself in one of these three categories, truth is, it doesn't change the fact. It doesn't change the fact what Scripture says. That you're blessed when you become a blessing for others. And when I say that you're blessed, man, I... I, I When you're generous, you know, I'm not necessarily meaning more money or more stuff will come your way. Okay, it might, but that's that's not the point. The point is what it means to be blessed is to find the fulfillment and the joy and the sense of purpose that helps when we're out there growing the kingdom of God. Let me share one more verse with you. In Proverbs 11, 24, it says this. It says, give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy, lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. And again, more more wealth being refreshed, it can mean many different things in life. But what this is saying is the lives of those who've learned to be generous are filled with the things that matter the most in life, right? While the people who hold back, who don't practice this, they don't necessarily receive the blessings that they could or should have. You know, when we give, it's just like asking for forgiveness. When we unload from ourselves, we're able to receive more from God. Again, when you're generous, it's a blessing. So, if giving is good, and we know that this is a life on mission, how can we, what can we do to grow in being generous, grow in our giving? Let me give you a few points here that come straight from Scripture. Okay, here we go. Point number one, how do we grow? Greater generosity. Number one, learn to tithe. Oh, my goodness. Okay, I brought the T word up. All right, everybody, settle down. Settle down, okay? It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Let me tell you why this is important and why we start here is because this is learning to give 101. Okay, this is the basics. This is going to help you learn to grow in generosity more than anything. And the reason I say this is because this is what the Bible teaches. This is actually a great starting place. So where does this come from? This is a Hebrew word that means one-tenth. Where do we find this in Scripture? I'll point you to a particular verse here in Leviticus. Leviticus is one of those books that's kind of hard to read, but in Leviticus 27.30 it says, One-tenth of the produce of the land, whether from grain, from the fields, or fruit from the trees, it belongs to the Lord and must be set to him as holy. Set apart as holy. You know that if you've been in this church, you've heard me talking about a holy lifestyle. A lifestyle that's on mission is holy. And holy just means to be set apart. Set apart for God's work. And here is just reiterating that again. This is just set apart for God and his kingdom. Later on in Malachi, chapter 3, verse 10, God doubles down on this point. And he says this. He says, bring the whole tithe into my storehouse. And then he says this word. This is very interesting. He says, test me. He says, test me in this. In fact, this is what, and Wayne, I don't know if I put Okay, I put that, yes, this is, yes, put me to the test. Okay, this is what it, this is literally all that it says. It says, test me in this and see if I won't throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Test me in this, put me to the test. Now, this is very interesting to me that he says to test him because most of scripture God is saying, don't you test me, right? Just like a parent would, don't you test, don't test me, right? 
God is like in the Old Testament. He's like, I'm calling you to live a holy life. Don't test me. Don't push me. But with this, it's different. God is like, go ahead, test me. Test me and see what's happened. Why would God give us permission to test him in this area? I'm guessing it's because he knows that this is going to freak us out. Right? This is going to freak us out. Most people are like, how in the world am I supposed to do this? This is crazy talk. Why would you even say this? Because here's what might have to happen in order for us to do that. We might actually have to rearrange our lives centered on God. Right? To put God first. And that's kind of the point. For example, and God wants this in all areas of our life. He wants the first part of all areas of our life. You know, when it comes to your private time with God, I always say, you know, you can do your private time with God anytime. It's good. But what would it be like for you to give him the first part of your day, right? First thing in the morning, I'm putting God first. I'm giving him this time. You might have to rearrange your day in order for that to happen because you're putting God first. Worship. Right here, right now, first day of the week. What's it like to make that commitment? We're going to be in worship on Sundays, first day of the week. We might have to rearrange some things in order to make that happen, right? Oh, there's all kinds of things that you could. There's all ways in life to put him first that moves us out of our comfort zone. And this, oof, this is one of the biggest ways right here. This, when we learn to do this, it's like we're... Moving into that, I'm going to have to trust you, God. This is really a, an act of worship here. And here's what, here's what Scripture teaches us. Like, if you test God with this, then that gives you an opportunity to grow and see how faithful he can be. So, if you want to grow in generosity, that means learning to worship God with our first and our best, and we're going to trust him with the rest. Okay, I like the way Rick Warren says that. I'm going to put God first with my best, and I'm going to trust him with the rest. Because I believe at the end of the day, God can do better with 90% than I could ever do with 100%. So that's number one. Number two, number two, let's move on to number two. We're going to plan to give, plan to be, or just change that to generous. Plan to be generous, okay? Plan your generosity. Because here's what I know, is that some of y'all are type A people, and you're like me, and you're planners. How many of y'all love to make a plan? Okay. How many of you ever done this? How messed up I am. I have planned to make a plan. How many of y'all have ever set aside time to make a plan? Yes, yes. I'm like, okay, tomorrow afternoon, I'm going to sit down and make a plan. So I have a plan to make a plan, right? That's how messed up I get. Now, some of y'all aren't like that. And you just, you know, you're just more of a free spirit. When it fly by the seat of your pants, whatever you want to say, right? Like, I, I know, like, when it comes to purchase something, like, you know, some of y'all will just, if you see it, you'll just get it, because I need this, and this is right, you yeah, know, this looks good, I'll have it. And then others of you, like me, and you're like, what's the best price I can get, and how much research do I need? I will spend more on gas running between stores and checking than it would if I just went ahead and bought it. I plan out, how can I save? What do I need? Anyway. So I started thinking about this, as much as I like to plan, what if I, what if we put that much effort and intensity when it came to planning on how to give? Like, what if I just really sat down and thought about, like, what's my plan when it comes to being generous, right? How can I be generous just a little bit more? How can I be generous to someone, to something, to somewhere? 
Check out this verse in Isaiah 32. I really think, not just for type A people, like I think that this is good for all of us to hear when it comes to planning. Isaiah 32, 8 says, Generous people plan to do what is generous. I love that. That's a life on mission. Generous people, what do they do? They plan. They don't wait for it to happen. They're not waiting for spontaneity to happen, you know, or to feel something. No, no, no. They've got a plan to make it work. Again, this sits so well to me. I love this. Um, I've been known to plan a lot. In fact, when it comes to our vacations, um, I've been known to go overboard, kind of a Clark Griswold thing, you know, like as far as like what happens and when it happens. I've even planned what to do during free time. That's how crazy it gets. Like I know it says free time on the schedule, but this is what we're actually going to do. Um, but one of the things that I enjoy doing the most in planning is that whenever we take our vacations, we would try to plan a time to surf. Like we've got Monday through Friday, but we're going to take Wednesday morning. And we're going to plan to be generous with our time. And so I brought a couple of pictures. One, um, this is a picture in Chicago. This is Abby right here. When she was younger, we were serving in a uh, soup line. And they just loved the accents from Georgia in Chicago when we were up there. We had a great time. And then the next one, I got one more picture too. I think this was in Flagstaff. This is Abby again. She is mixing the soup, this vat of soup, with a shovel. Doesn't that look scrumptious? <laughs> and I swear the rest of us were there, even though these are only pictures of Abby. <laughs> Looks like we dropped her off. <laughs> we're like, we'll be back. You have fun. Trust me, it's more of a blessing to give than to receive, Abby. You'll be fine. But <laughs> I got Dawn on that one, I hear. Um, this is, uh, yeah, this, this was a lot of fun. And, you know, it just... It meant more to us when we're out, when we planned to be generous. Now, what if we did that in all aspects of our lives when it comes to generosity? Like, what if we plan? Wayne, I think you can go ahead and take Abby off. I think she'd appreciate that. Um, what if we planned on how to be generous? Like, plan financially, uh, planned with the church on a particular Sunday morning, as far as being generous with our time, those types of things. For example, what if we set aside $20 a month and just plan to do something good? What could you do? What could you possibly do? Sometimes we get a little, like, we, we think a little bit too much about this, and we're just like, 20 bucks. I mean, what good is 20 bucks? But what could you do with 20 bucks? You could buy pizza and, and some Cokes at Little Caesars, and you could deliver it to somebody that's just come back from the hospital or has a need and they can't cook for themselves, right? Or what if you did this? What if you plan? $20 each month, and you save it up to the end of the year, and you got $240 at the end of the year during Christmas time, and you use that as a family project to go do something. What could you do with the $240? Man, you could do a lot with that for a family in need. You see, what would happen if we planned a little bit more? How can we grow in generosity? Number one, we can learn to tithe. Number two, we can plan for it. And number three, here's the last one. We can just start now. Start right now. We're simply just going to start being generous right now. We're not going to make excuses. And some of you might say, yeah, but preacher, you don't know what I'm filling in the blank. And we all have those moments and we ha all have those stories and I'm not making light of it. And I know some of you are probably like, yeah, but we're trying to get out of debt and isn't that important? Yes. The writer in Proverbs says it's very important that we're not in debt so that we can be free um, from that. However... 
We don't want to wait for something else to happen in order to be a blessing right now. Okay, we want to start being a blessing right now. We want, we want to be on mission now, not later. Check this verse out from Paul. He says this, I am praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. I love this. He's like, I want you to put your generosity into action. Do it. Do it now. And the reason for that is because the last part of this verse. He says, because of all the good things in Christ, after everything Christ has done for us, after everything Christ gave for us, to think that we have an opportunity to be generous back to him. You know, Jesus says, whenever we do it for the least of these, we're doing it for him. That means whatever you do, wherever you do it, you're doing it for Jesus. And that's a great truth to remember. So to close this out, if we really believe Scripture teaches us that it's more of a blessing to give than to receive, if we really believe that, then why wait? Because I don't think I'm going to shock anybody by saying that we really don't need more stuff in life. We don't. More stuff. You know what more stuff is? More stuff is more stress. You know that, right? Buy more stuff for myself means that I got to take care of more stuff, right? And if I believe that, and I believe that giving is good and it feels good to give, if all that's true, then why wait till later when I can be a blessing right now? So, how can you strengthen your generosity a little bit? Maybe when it comes to a life on mission, we could all probably grow in this area. Maybe you look at point number one and you're like, how can I test God with this? And you know, some of you might be saying, well, I give this much. Maybe if I just, maybe I can't do 10% yet, but if I increased it one percentage and I just lived into that and I tested God to see, will he be faithful? Try it. He tells you to try it. Test him. Or maybe you sit down and you plan to be generous. Talk about, like, what would it mean to be a blessing, right? Or maybe, maybe you talk about just why you haven't done it. And you just say, you know what? We're just going to start right now. There's no better time than the present. Because a life on mission knows that it's better to give than to receive. Let's pray together. God, we just thank you. We thank you so much for your provision. God, we thank you for your blessing. Thank you for dying on the cross so that we can be forgiven of our sins, so that we can live with you for eternity. God, when we think of everything that you have given to us, it's amazing. And truth is, God, when we look at the world that you created, the life that you've given us, all the ways that you've provided for us up to this point, including the salvation that you give to us, God. We understand that you truly are a giving God. So God, help us to be more like you. Help us to remember just how good it feels to give. Help us to remember that we are more blessed when we are a blessing to others. So God, encourage us, strengthen us, move in us as we look for ways to give and not just receive. Because we understand that's a life on mission. Jesus, we love you. And we give you all of our hearts, everything we have. It's in your name we pray these things. Amen. Amen.